and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is Saturday, July 16th, 2022. And I'm your host, as always, The Pody. There we go. Missed the mark on that one just a bit. But we're back. We're off and we're running. I'm here on location down in South Carolina. So um, try to bear with me. I've got everything set up. I brought all my equipment with me. And we should be able to get on the, on the, on the road with this show. Okay, um, we've got a lot to talk about. The Open Championship is currently underway in the third round. Just drove down late last night, so getting this podcast up and running as it is uh, Saturday afternoon. So we are, uh, this is what, episode 177 now, so we're almost at the all-star break for baseball. Um, like I said, open championships going on. I've got an update on the Brittany Griner situation, all that good stuff. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Okay, we're going to start with some baseball. The Mariners and Orioles going into last night were the two hottest teams in baseball. Spoiler alert, the Orioles lost looking to uh, for a bid on their 11th straight game. They lost 5-4 to the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Mariners actually won their 12th straight. So a little bit uh, on these streaks. The team, uh, let's start with the Mariners. They have been playing in the big leagues since their inception in 1977. They've only been to the playoffs four times in that span, and this is their second longest winning streak in team history. It's the Mariners' first double-digit winning streak since 2002. Other than the first week of the season, this is now the first time two teams who had losing records have recorded simultaneous 10-game winning streaks. The Orioles, like I said, they lost going for their 11th straight last night, but they had also won 10 games in a row. They are now the first team since at least 1990 to win 10 straight games in a season, despite entering opening day with the league's lowest payroll. It is also their first double-digit winning streak since September of 1990. The only other team with a longer drought is the Marlins, who have actually never had a double-digit winning streak in franchise history. Pretty crazy stuff there. Okay, to some basketball news, some big news here out of the Phoenix area. The Phoenix Suns and DeAndre Ayton have come to terms. Here's what happened. The center, the prize center for the Phoenix Suns, who was a restricted free agent, very important note there, restricted free agent. He accepted a four-year, $133 million offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers after the Suns declined to give him his desired max contract last offseason. But because he's a restricted free agent, the Suns had 48 hours to match, and of course they had no choice but to match this offer or they would lose him to Indiana. This immediately puts a damper on the Suns trading for Kevin Durant as Aiton was, uh, was looked at as a huge piece should the two sides make that deal. However, I've spoken about this at least one or two episodes ago where I, I said the Nets were never interested in DeAndre Ayton. So, um, but it is possible a deal 
could still get done. Although, I don't know who the Suns have that would interest the Nets outside of Devin Booker, who obviously isn't going anywhere anytime soon. But it is also worth noting, Aiton cannot be dealt until January 15th, and he has a full no-trade clause for one year. Okay, let's get to the 150th showing of the Open Championship taking place at the prestigious St. Andrews. Kicked off Thursday. What a debut it was for New York native Cameron Young. Most people really don't know anything about this kid. I really didn't either. 25-year-old, he carded an opening round eight under 64, the lowest debut round for any golfer since 1934. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, Cameron Smith was the man to beat on Friday, shooting his own eight under 64 and moving into sole possession of first place. However, um, well, more on Smith. He is, of course, uh, the guy that won the Players' Championship and is seeking to become just the second person to ever win both the Players' and Open Championship in the same year, Jack Nicholas being the other. Um, Cameron Young himself stayed in contention, shooting a three under to remain two back and in sole possession of second place. Of course, Rory McIlroy, the odds on favorite coming into the tourney, is sitting in third at 10 under tied with Victor Hovland, the Norwegian who has never finished top 10 at a major. All right, here we go. Um, I'm going to update the standings right now because this is all this has all changed. So as of right now, it is 215 Saturday. Rory McIlroy and Victor Hovland are tied at 15 under. They are leading. Rory just a little while ago chipped in from the bunker uh, for an incredible uh, a birdie. Um, Cameron Young and Cam Smith are at 13 under. And then you have Scotty Scheffler, world number one, at 11 under. Siwoo Kim is at 10 under, Cantley's at 10 under, Dustin Johnson's at 10 under, Jordan Spieth is four under today, uh, shot a 69, he moves up to eight under, so he's still in contention, Matthew Fitzpatrick's at eight under, um, and Shane Lowry, who eagled two holes back to back today, first player to do that on two par fours since Phil Mickelson, 2003, I believe, at Muirfield. Um, he shot up there at seven under. He was at eight under. He's fallen a shot back to seven under. So it's really McElroy, Hovland, those couple guys I said at the top. Maybe those guys at 10 under have a chance, but they're starting to run away with this thing. Um, so uh, notably, this is important. Notably, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson did not make the cut. N- no real surprise there. Tiger is still trying to battle back from those injuries from that car accident. And Phil hasn't played much really all year. Um, Live CEO Greg Norman, who won the Open Championship twice, was actually disinvited, and Tiger Woods didn't seem to have a problem with that. He had some some words to say about this. Listen, listen to what Tiger had to say. Well, the RNA and um, obviously had their uh, opinions and their rulings and their decision. Um, uh, Greg has has done some things that I I don't think that's in the best interest you know of our game and we're coming back to probably the most historic and traditional place um, in in our sport and uh, I, I believe it was the right thing. I know that the, what PGA Tour stands for and what we have done and what the tour has 
given us the ability to uh, chase after our careers and to earn what we get um, and the trophies that we have been able to play for and the history that have has been a part of this game. Uh, I know Greg tried to do this, you know, back in the early 90s. Um, it didn't work then and um, he's trying to make it work now. And I still don't see how that's in the best interest of the game. Um, you know, what the European Tour and what the PGA Tour stands for and what they've done. Um, and also all the professional, uh, sorry, all the governing bodies, you know, of the game of golf and all the major championships, how they run it. Um, I think they, they see it differently than what Greg sees it. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, taking the stance that a lot of these PGA Tour golfers have taken and I don't know if you guys have seen the the jet that these live golfers have been flying in but it's been posted on social media this thing is like a cruise ship I mean luxurious ain't the word it, it it's absolutely insane the Saudi money is just ridiculous as well so look I'm not I'm not gonna fault anybody for taking the money there are guys that can barely make it on the PGA Tour, which has strict regulations. You you know you have to pay your way to to these tournaments, and you have to win in order to get your 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 tour card. And if you don't qualify enough times or do good enough, then you have to go back to the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just or you have to go to Euro uh, Q School and all all this other stuff. It's so hard to maintain, and and so these guys can just go to the live where they're playing less tournaments. Everybody makes the cut. It's more fun. It, you know, there you have more time throughout the months because you're not playing in as many tournaments. It's less stressful. You can just work on your game. Uh, you know, take time to to be with your family, etc. So I'm not going to fault these guys. And that's why DJ, who's there in the running right now, I almost hope that he were to win so he could kind of stick it to the PGA a little bit and, and, and say, yeah, uh, us live guys aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And we need to come to terms with this. And it's good for the game of golf either way. All right. So I have an update on Brittany Griner. The star WNBA players trial continued in Russia Thursday as a teammate and an executive from UMMC Ekaterinburg, the Russian team she played for, testified on her behalf. It's interesting because her defense team submitted documents on Friday arguing that she inadvertently brought the vape cartridges into Russia and had a permit issued in the state of Arizona for the use of medical cannabis because, of course, she plays um, in the WNBA in Phoenix. And so uh, they're saying that she had medical clearance from a doctor for pain management. I don't know if she had back injuries or what, but but it was prescribed here in the States, although I don't see how that helps her case because Russia isn't going to, in my opinion, isn't going to um, accept United States law in their country. So she broke the law in their country. It doesn't matter if she didn't break the law in the United States, she's in their country. But uh, and it, I also read that that Russia doesn't seem like they uh, want anything to do with a prisoner exchange for Griner. So that's an interesting one. So uh, just one of those things we'll have to keep an eye out. Um, she she's reached out to Biden. They're they're working. Uh, they say she's detained illegally. So so we'll see what happens with the whole situation.
All right, I have a story of the week that I read brought to me by The Athletic. This is an insane story. Um, it's the story of the Valeka family. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Four boys all drafted into Major League Baseball as shortstops. Chris, the oldest, was actually the only one to make it to the Major League level, but this is an incredible story nonetheless, and this is more of a story about their father, Jeff Valeka. It, it, it's got its ups and downs, this story. They wouldn't have been as successful, these four brothers, if not for their mentor, coach, and, of course, father, Jeff. In 2015, unfortunately, Jeff underwent triple bypass surgery and an aortic aneurysm repair. One night, about a week after the surgery, Jeff suffered a heart attack and developed a blood clot in his lung, which spread to his brain and forced him into a coma. And sadly, Jeff remains in a coma to this day, but against all odds is still clinging to life. He's overcome organ failures, infections, a left toe amputation, and colon cancer. And according to doctors, they actually, and his wife, they don't know how he is still alive. It's really a, a medical miracle. As Chris's career came to an end, he wasn't sure what to do with the rest of his life. He had always told his dad, actually, that he wanted nothing to do with coaching, but dads know best, and Jeff would tell him that he was a born coach, much like his old man. Fast forward a few years, and Jeff, who was ahead of the curve with analytics and hitting, the story talked about how he would always call up his brother, and he would talk like analytics in terms of hitting when he was still playing. He was very ahead of the curve in terms of that stuff. And so he decided um, he found himself working for a technologically forward company called Sparta that specializes in analyzing body movement. So, of course, and naturally, he traveled to spring training in 2017 to foster those relationships between the company and MLB teams. He had lunch one afternoon with Jason McLeod, a former member of the Cubs player development staff, who two weeks later offered him a job in their hitting department. This is where Chris would get his start in coaching, and it was with his father's favorite team, the Cubs. He was promoted to hitting coach at AAA Iowa, where he played just three years earlier. He advanced to the big league coaching staff in 2021, and after the Cleveland Guardians dismissed Ty Van Berkleo last fall, they hired Chris to be their new hitting coach. They believed he could implement an organization-wide shift in hitting philosophy. It's worth noting that the Guardians have the youngest team in baseball, and many of the players appreciate and can connect with Chris since he's not that far removed from his playing days. Although he's never come out of his coma, the Valekas are hopeful Jeff will one day wake up. His wife, you know, will talk to him. And through COVID, it was it was hard to communicate and whatnot. And you know, he'll he'll uh, flicker his eyes here and there, and he'll make sudden little movements. So she hopes and, and believes that he can hear her. Um, it's just an incredible, incredible story that this man fostered the talents of four sons and was able to get them all drafted into the major leagues as shortstops. And although they didn't all pan out, it's just an incredible story how Chris, uh, who had the most success, wanted nothing to do with coaching, all of a sudden found himself coaching and in a few quick years um, is now 
a hitting coach for a major league team. It's just incredible. And it shows uh, the knowledge that this man had on his, you know, in terms of the game of baseball and, and what he was able to pass down from generation to generation and, and to his sons. It's just absolutely, absolutely incredible story. If you get a chance, I suggest you go read it on The Athletic. It's just unbelievable. All right, five-star forward Gigi Jackson, the number two overall recruit in the class of 2023, is decommitting from UNC. It's not every day that you hear those words. In fact, um, he's the first player in the modern era to decommit from North Carolina. He will actually sign with his home state, South Carolina, for this upcoming season. As long as he graduates from high school this summer, he will be eligible for the 2023 NBA draft. So he's reclassified a year earlier than originally anticipated. So he's going to play at South Carolina for just one year, and then he's going to go pro, and he should be you know, a lottery pick depending on how he does at South Carolina, but he's the number two player in his class and he could actually uh, move up to becoming the number one player, but very interesting. North Carolina, Hubert Davis just went to a national championship as an eight seed and they lost a commitment to South Carolina. But these are the things I like to see a guy deciding to stay home in his home state. I wish we could have more of that with uh, New Jersey and Rutgers. All right. Interesting story here on Freddie Freeman's former agent, Casey Close, who is suing Fox Sports radio host Doug Gottlieb for libel. All right, so here's the story. Close alleges in the complaint that Gottlieb defamed him, him and XL Sports Management with a tweet claiming that Close wasn't forthcoming with Freeman regarding the Atlanta Braves' interest in retaining their former first baseman. According to the complaint, the Braves made three offers to Freeman in 2021, the highest being a five-year deal for $135 million. Close claims that on March 12, 2022, he sent two contract proposals to the Braves, both of which they rejected. Close then asked if the Braves had an offer he could take to Freddie, and they said no. Two days later, the Braves traded for Matt Olson and signed him to an eight-year, $168 million extension the following day. Freeman felt blindsided by this and instead signed a six-year, $162 million contract with the Dodgers on March 17th. Casey Close never told Freddie Freeman about the Braves' final offer. That is why Freeman fired him. This was the tweet that Doug Gottlieb sent on June 29th. Gottlieb went on to say that Freeman found out about this when he faced the Braves in Atlanta and Close knew that Freeman would have agreed to the Braves' final offer. So basically, Gottlieb is saying that he he did not disclose this offer because he wanted Freeman to take a higher deal elsewhere so he could get a greater commission is basically what he's saying. Now, according to the complaint, Close has received death threats from people believed to be Braves fans. I'm sure Fox News will settle this, or I, I really don't think we're going. You know, anything's going to come of this. But that's a lot of the speculation from many is that Freddie Freeman fired him for that exact reason. So it's a little bit of an interesting story. Um, so I'm going to try to keep keep an eye out for this one and see see how it plays out in court. Okay, so the we all know the Jazz are reloading. 
specifically trading Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves. They've gotten a bevy of picks back. Danny Ainge doing an incredible job there. But we thought, by all accounts, they were going to surround Donovan Mitchell with talent and make him the centerpiece of a rebuild. Well, it seems they've changed their tune on that matter and now are open to possibly trading Donovan Mitchell going straight up full rebuild. So they've had conversations with multiple teams, but the Knicks seem to have emerged as the focus destination over the past several days. Of course, they've got Julius Randle. Uh, they've got a lot of young, uh, they've got a lot of draft picks, eight first round picks, um, something the Jazz might be interested in. But Knicks fans, just hold your breath, calm yourself. I wouldn't get my hopes up. You've been linked to Donovan Mitchell for some time now, and I just don't know if, if this is if this is ever going to play out the way you know that you would that you would like exactly. All right, the Kansas City Royals are down ten players or about forty percent of their roster due to Canadian vaccination restrictions. One of those unvaccinated players is Andrew Benintendi, who the Yankees were possibly linked to as a trade candidate because they need outfield help because Gallo has given them nothing. The Yankees have now come out and said they will not be trading for Benintendi because he's unvaccinated as they have six games remaining in Toronto and could even face them in the playoffs. My thoughts on this, absolutely ridiculous. This is absurd. The Blue Jays should not be allowed in the playoffs due to these restrictions as they now have a leg up on every team they may play in the playoffs. Either move back to Buffalo for the playoffs or ban them all together because no matter what your beliefs on COVID or the vaccine, this simply just is not fair. It's not. Imagine the Yankees playing Toronto in the playoffs and Aaron Judge not being able to play key games because he isn't vaccinated. It's ridiculous. Major League Baseball is predominantly played in the United States. We have to, we have to figure something out for one team playing in Toronto. This cannot go on. It's an absolute joke. I would have loved the Yankees to get Benintendi, but because he's unvaccinated, they're not going to get him. That's it's ridiculous. Um, speaking of the Blue Jays, however, they made a splash this week and fired their manager, Charlie Montoyo. Very shocking. Um, it's a bit of a head scratching move considering Toronto is above 500. And at the time they fired him, they were they, they were holding on to a playoff spot but they have fallen to fourth in, divi in the division. And they're just a couple games over 500, so they felt um, that they needed to make Montoyo a scapegoat. I heard in, in recent weeks that, that the ball club has soured on him a little bit, so that could have something to do with it. Um, he signed an extension in April that was meant to keep him at least another season with options for 2024 and 2025, but Montoyo is now out and longtime assistant coach John Schneider will serve as interim manager. All right, let's talk home run derby. The field is finally set. Corey Seager was the last player to lock in um, as a participant. The bracket will look like this. You have the one seed, Kyle Schwarber, who will face the eight seed, Albert Pujols. Yes, Pujols, who has six home runs this year, will compete. Number four, Juan Soto, will face number five, Jose Ramirez. I'm curious to see if, if Ramirez will bat from the right or left side or maybe switch it up so he stays fresh. That would be kind of cool. Then you have number three seed, Corey Seager, versus the number six seed, Julio Rodriguez, who hit a grand slam last night. Uh, Seager is an interesting choice. Um, 
Like I said, he was the last one in, and he's also, this competition will be taking place in Los Angeles, where he started out, you know, for his entire career before uh, signing with Texas in the offseason. So you will think you would think he would get a huge bump from the crowd who would be rooting him on. Albert Pujols, who, of course, played there last year as well. So that should be interesting. Then, of course, you have number two, Pete Alonso versus number seven, Ronald Acuna Jr. This could be the best first round matchup. Um, but let's be real. Alonso should be the one seed as he comes into this, having won the event the last two years straight. Uh, they're going by who's hit the most home runs this year. That's why Schwarber is the one seed. Um, but Alonzo has, of course, the experience. He's won it twice. Yes, Schwarber was a runner-up to Bryce Harper a few years ago, so I'm not counting him out yet. But my sleeper pick here, I don't know if he's really a sleeper, Juan Soto, he hit the longest home run, I believe, last year, and he's an absolute beast. Um, I've been using him in my league um, I'm in a league on MLB The Show, and I got the Nationals, and I'm killing it with Soto. I'm leading the league in home runs and RBIs. He's an absolute revelation. And speaking of Juan Soto, just came out a few, maybe an hour ago. He rejected a 14-year, $440 million offer sheet from the Nats. Oh, my God. So he wants out, um, according to executives around the league and Jeff Passan, who tweeted this before the nationals would be looking for the biggest trade in major league baseball history. So I was hoping, you know, the Yankees can get away with trading Joey Gallo for uh, Juan Soto straight up at the deadline, but I don't know. Don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. All right. That's pretty much all I have. Let's get a quick update. Uh, Rory is now ahead. He's at 16 under through 14. Hovland's at 15 under. Cam Young's at 14 under. Cameron Smith is tanking today. He's one over. He falls to 12 under. Scheffler's at 11. And Kim and Johnson are at 10. So that's your update there. Um, you've got Yankees, Red Sox tonight. Of course, Yankees lost 5-4 in extras last night. It's been a rough, it's been a rough week for the Yankees. Um, losing Two out of three to the Reds, which was just brutal. Luis Severino goes on the IL, or he's about to go on the IL. Gave up three straight home runs to the to a bad, bad Reds team. Um, it's just it, it, it's hard to, to swallow. There is baseball going on right now. Um, there's really no update on the Nets trades with Kyrie and Durant. Um, although I saw Westbrook fired his longtime agent after 14 years. Um, Jason McCourty, Rutgers alum, went to the same school as me. Yeah, he announced his retirement from the NFL on Friday. Yeah, it would be yesterday, marking the end of a 13-season career for the former sixth-round pick. Hell of a career for a sixth-round pick. Uh, made Rutgers proud, uh, made me proud. Um, the Spurs gave forward Keldon Johnson a four-year $80 million extension. Uh, Johnson is 22 years old. He started 74 games for the Spurs in his third season last year, averaging a career high 17.1 points while shooting 39.8% from three point range. Um, Russell will, uh, Westbrook, like I said, he and Thad Foucher, excuse me, parted ways over irreconcilable differences. 
In a statement to ESPN, Foucher, one of the NBA's prominent player representatives, cited irreconcilable differences and suggested that there was no longer full alignment with Westbrook about whether the former MVP should want to remain with the Lakers for the final season of his $47 million contract. Foucher said he believes Westbrook's best option is to stay with the Lakers, embrace the starting role, and support that Darvin Ham publicly offered. Oh, embrace the starting role and support that new head coach Darvin Ham publicly offered. Yeah, it's interesting. It looks like Westbrook wants out. The trade straight up with him and Kyrie could could be coming to fruition. Um, I don't want to waste too much of your time, guys. You know what's on this weekend. It's all about the Open Championship right now. It looks to be like it's whittling down to about a five-man race or so. I actually bet on four guys to make the cut, and I hit that parlay, so that was nice. Um, I missed my parlay the other night with Braves Yankees, unfortunately, because Yankees lost seven, six in extras. Um, but I'm in South Carolina now. I can't place any bets, but I encourage anybody listening to take Juan Soto to win this whole thing. I would bet two sides of this bracket. Um, if it were me, I'd take Juan Soto and Pete Alonzo, and I'd throw some money on both of those guys. Or I'd throw some money on Schwarber because Soto could face Schwarber in the second round. But if you cover your bases and take Alonzo and then either Soto or someone else from that side, you're you know you're guaranteed to hopefully have one or two guys in the finals there. Um, it's just shocking that Soto would turn down such a ridiculous offer. He is. There's only one player in the modern era since 1900 who has a better on base percentage through his age 23 season than Juan Soto, and that player is. Ted Williams. So that's how good Juan Soto is. Um, all right, let's get to our final segment, as always, on this date in sports. July 16th, 1941, Joe DiMaggio hits in his MLB record 56th straight game, going three for five with a double in Cleveland. The following day, Cleveland put an end to the streak, holding DiMaggio to 0 for 3 with a walk. That's going to do it, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. 177 of This Week in Sports. I'll be playing golf most of the week while I'm down here. I'm playing tomorrow, so I look forward to that. Hopefully it doesn't rain too much and I can get some golf in, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'll catch you guys on the flip side. I should be able to do an episode on next Friday as well, but I'm going to go watch some of the open championship right now, finish up this third round and enjoy the rest of the weekend guys. So long. I'll see everybody next week. 